0: on today's show the cleveland cavaliers took care of business in a pretty meaningless preseason game so we're going to talk a little bit about that and then move on to isaac okoro and dean wade chatter let's dive in
1: you are locked on
0: calves your daily cleveland cavaliers podcast I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Demerill. We are the Locked On Caps Podcast. Want to tell you about our friends at GameTime. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our code NBA for $20 off your first purchase. All right, let's start today by talking about Amani Bates Evan. Evan, what have you thought about him in the preseason so far?
1: Um, so I know JB Bickerseff said post-game in their first preseason win over Maccabi um, that Amani Bates is the type of talent that if he had gone in the draft lottery he likely would have been in gunning for rookie of the year just because of minutes and opportunities like that but I, I mean just in terms of what really popped during summer league play and something that I said over the summer that like if there's a path for him to play meaningful minutes for the Cavs or any NBA team uh, assuming it's the Cavs though Um, it's that three-point shot of his. And you could see that he is really taking advantage of the open looks he's getting in the corners and at the top of the key or just really anywhere on the perimeter. And he is the beneficiary of a lot of Cleveland's playmaking and maybe some of the offensive system. I saw like some passes, whether it was from Isaac Okoro or there was a really nice one from Tristan Thompson when the defense was collapsing on him and he kicked it out the baits who took it and made it. Like He's taking advantage of the offensive flow and the system Cleveland's trying to institute and also just kind of carrying a bit of that momentum from Las Vegas Summer League to uh, preseason action for the Cavs. I mean, like, the majority of the shots he's taken during the preseason are three pointers. And it I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's, that's his strongest attribute. And if you keep working at that and flushing it out at the NBA level, like, that's, like I said, an easier path to hit, at least him getting NBA minutes maybe this year. Like, if it's like a blowout game or something like that, or just like a designated rest night for the Cavs, or at least heading into next season.
0: I I want to just start. By saying, I think he's been really interesting in the preseason. I think the way he has played. I think spotting up. I think some of the off-screen shooting. He had one in in this game against Maccabi that was really interesting. Cavs, by the way, just like Cruz in that game. Not much more to say about other. Not in terms of the result. Like the way they're using him and the way he's his shot profile looks mm-hmm. is what you'd want it to be. I and I I liked in this game. He had a play where he was attacking in transition. He got an offensive foul on the play because he missed the shot and went for rebound, but he actually tried to create something and create penetration, and maybe there's passing going come out of that. Maybe there's better finishing as he gets stronger, as he gets older. I also would just like remind people that he's 19. Yeah. This is someone whose body needs a lot of development time. He needs a season, I think, in the G League to play and get minutes and have some normalcy. I think JB Bickerstaff is doing a great job hyping up Amani Bates. But there's a I mean there's a reason that he fell to the second round. Yeah. There are concerns about him as a prospect. This is a long-term play. This is someone that if you see him in the regular season this year, it is what you said it is injury duty. It is it is mop-up duty when they just like need a body and he's up on a two-way. The best thing for the, him The Cavs somehow play Maccabi again and they're like, "Alright, Amani, yeah. you get the entire second half." Right. The best case for him is that he gets to spend an entire year with the Cleveland Charge, be in the weight room, play basketball, be around the team, get the mentorship from Donovan Mitchell and others. Maybe stay away from Miles Bridges, who seems to be mentoring him. I know there's a Michigan connection, but like maybe don't be around that guy. And grow up. And when you're 20 years old and you've had a year of like being a professional under your belt, then let's see where you're at. I. This is, like, a very classic, like, this is a fun guy preseason hype train thing. He's yeah. been really interesting. But, like, let's just, let's just like, chill about, like, this guy being impactful right away.
1: I mean, Amadi Bates is also, like, a product of the social media era of, like, high school hoops and everything like that. Where, like, there's so many compilations of him just dominating the competition. I mean, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. uh, Penny Hardaway, along with, like, James Wiseman and others, um like, joined. Uh, Penny way down at Memphis, it didn't work out. And I think when you look at Monty Bates's just basketball career, um, he's been in a pressure cooker his entire life. He reclassified and he was 17 years old as a freshman in college. Uh, this is like maybe months after he was called the next Kevin Durant, like the next miss, uh top like NBA prospect. And then he didn't have the greatest freshman season with Memphis. And I think there's like the weight of expectations and things, and people are just like ready to say like, oh, this kid sucks, he's a bust, yada yada, etc. And what happened in ypsil and with Eastern Michigan, like, a lot of... There were concerns off the court, I think, that played a factor in him slipping. Also, just, like, the fact that Eastern Michigan didn't have a winning record and they weren't, like, a winning program despite Yamani Base just, like, going off for, like, 40-plus points against, like, Toledo or something like that. But it's more than that. Like, like you said, like, he needs to grow up. Um, and I think just he needs to kind of grow and mature at his own rate. Right. And I think... So when J.B. Bickerstaff elaborated further on his comment, he said, like, this is an ideal. They're, they're very fortunate to have him just because of how talented he is and the potential is there. And it's more so Amani is fortunate to be in a situation in Cleveland because he can, one, be out of the spotlight for the first time in his career in the longest time. Uh, he doesn't have to deal with the constant pressure and expectations of things. Um, Kobe all once said, like, just need him to be Amani Bates at the end of the day, like not the next Kevin Durant or anything like that. And I think that's the best way to put it. Because uh, you don't set the expectations incredibly high heading into his rookie season, and like you said, he can grow and mature at his own rate. He can put on weight naturally working with Cleveland's coaching staff and uh, training staff, and because he has the luxury of a two-way guy, where he'll be spending time with the Cavs and the Charge. But like under Mike Garrity, the guy who coached him during summer league, like having that continuity and just like that development path in place, like it helps for a guy like Amadi Bates. Like there's a recipe for success for for him to succeed at the next level with the Cavs. And to your point, like off the court stuff, like he shared during practice during training camp that like Donovan and Darius have made like a concerted effort to take him to like show him around Cleveland and spend time with him just to like make sure like there's like they're being team leaders and things like that. Then he jokingly shared that Darius took him to town hall and he got food poisoning and he'll never eat a town hall ever again. Amani said this. Um good but good.
0: Good. I good. good.
1: Co-sign I yeah I, I smirked when he said that. And I was just like, yeah, I have reasons too, but um, more so just like you said, like he is in an environment where like everyone is rooting for him to succeed to the Cavs. Clearly, like I think j b is saying that stuff publicly and just like his teammates, like making a concerted effort to bond and spend time with him. And like you see them celebrating him when he's like popping off from three point range during preseason games. But people will look at this game against Maccabi and say that okay he's nba ready um he had some pretty good numbers against like the second and third units of the hawks and the magic but those are the second and third units of the hawks and the magic and not to describe maccabi they do have they had five players on their team with nba experience but they are a division two professional israeli team like they are like uh, essentially the g league of the israeli league coming to play cleveland and as many saw this was a massacre and i think these are just good reps and opportunities for the Cavs coaching staff to kind of just have an understanding of these development projects, whether it's Bates or Isaiah Mobley or Craig Porter Jr. or even guys like Sam Merrill as well, who is on the roster, but like may not crack the rotation on opening night and probably won't crack the rotation, but like have an understanding idea of like what their development path is against talent that isn't their own guys during practice. And here, here, well, here's here's the there, it's just, a difference. It's though. it's going to be, it's, it's, a long, it's a long road, and you have
0: to be patient yeah. with the process. Here's the difference, though, with Sam Merrill and Amighty Bates. Amighty Bates turns 20 years old in January of 2024. Sam Merrill is 27. He is an adult man. He is married. He has been, he has a, like, he is just a, he has, like, done, he has been around just like a lot longer. Like, I think we kind of can say this is what Sam Merrill is. He can get better. Guys get better and like, yeah. but it, is there like a massive leap coming? The odds are against that. He has one really great skill. Bates is in the situation where he gets to just learn how to like be an adult and learn how to be a professional for a year. That's what this is. This is and not just play this, basketball, and this zero is, expectations. Yeah. And that's good for him. The, the last thing you would want for Imani Bates, in my opinion, is to go into a new situation where he would have had to play a lot as a rookie or had the chance to. And build a bunch of bad habits. This is the kind of situation that even if he's going to get to play, I'm sure he's going to play a lot more on ball and create with the charge Mm -hmm. than he would ever with the Cavs. That's just going to be that roster, and that's good for him. But the structure you can build for him by not allowing him to have to play NBA minutes and develop all these crappy habits as a rookie is good for someone who has had, as you said, and has been very well documented in a lot of different stories, a very winding, unorthodox path, unorthodox path, let's say, to get to where he is now from being called the next Kevin Durant to being someone who's like a second-round pick out of Eastern Michigan and is still 19 years old. Like, this is... What is happening for Monty Bates is fun. You should have fun with it if you're a fan. Just like... This is like a high-yield savings account where, like, you put it away and you don't think about it for a year. That's this is a this very
1: is. adult portion of Locked On Cavs. Yes. Um... I'll say yeah. for the folks that uh, are... Well, it's
0: not actually a high yield savings. That's a guaranteed return rate. It's like an investment account with your broker. That's kind of what of oh. my debates. is. You put some money in there, and you're going to get some variables. You're going to ride the wave a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're hoping that you get a nice return and can uh. use the money you invested for something better. That's what he is. He's not, he's not just like a flat, oh, guaranteed return rate of investment.
1: F- financial advice with Chris Manning, part of Locked On Podcast, five days a week. I love a budget doesn't surprise me but before we head out into the first <laughs> ad say that, break you doesn't you say surprise that, me um that
0: just, just uh, Amani
1: bates is a fun story you want to root for him after you like just kind of you empathize with his story just the way yeah, the weight of the expectations quite a bit and like you want him to succeed from that angle and i think there could be something there and to your point like he is incredibly young sam merrill's a lot older and i think and a better example is, is like Craig Porter Jr. is a rookie like Imani Bates, but he's the same age as Darius Garland. Like Craig Porter Jr. made that joke tonight post game. He's like, because somebody asked him, like, hey, is Darius, like, what does he look like as a leader to you? And like, since you're a rookie, and he's like, well, I'm the same age as Darius, but I'm trying to learn as much as I can. So, like, Imani needs the room to grow and develop. And also, this is a Eastern Conference team that is trying to make some serious noise. And they may not be able to afford Amani Bates the possessions and opportunities 15, 20, 30 minutes a night, like he can get with the charge to allow him to grow I mean, in a conducive and healthy well, Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. It's like they, they can't because they just don't have the minutes available. And there's clearly veterans that are ahead of him in the rotation. And if you want him to actually grow and succeed, you send him down to the G League. Then it's also not a slight anymore. Like I know there's a stigma with the G League, but whatever. But like it, it's a very beneficial path to his development and could be a very good return on investment for the Cavs using a second round pick on a guy who has a a lot of some risk, but like there could be a lot of reward if you're able to iron out the uh, deficiencies.
0: Yeah. Wait a year. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Isaac or best case, worst case scenario for this upcoming season. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Therapy can be a great tool to help you improve your life. You ever feel like your brain is getting your own way? That's me all the time. Uh, like you know what you should do, but what is good for you, you just can't do it. Therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. I've been going to therapy every other week for the last several months. It's been huge for me as I adjust some things in my life, and figure some things out. It's been essential for me. And you could go on your own therapy journey with BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely in line, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill like out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedInMBA to get 10% off your first month. That's better slash help, locked on NBA. All right, Isaac Okora, best case, worst case. Uh, Starting with best case, Evan, I think this is pretty simple. We'll do Dean Way next. I think his is pretty simple as well. They're kind of similar to me in some ways. I think for Okora, it's break into the rotation with improved offense. In this adjusted system, he shoots well enough to make defenses respect him at least a little bit more. He lets him fly with confidence. And he gives he, he's able to be on the floor and you're able to get value out of out of his defensive ability.
1: Yeah. Uh for me, I agree with you. Like, and we have similar notes on this. I think this is gonna be a pretty common theme when talking about some of the role players on Cleveland's roster. But like for a it's being the best point of attack defender for the Cavs, like that'll get you minutes, at least on the floor for some nights. and may not get you minutes every single night, but like like you said, offensively he takes advantage of what Cleveland is trying to unroll um, in within their system. Whether it's he takes advantage of the open looks on the perimeter and he actually makes and keeps defenses honest, or maybe with the extra spacing he's able to get more baseline cuts, which is something Darius Garland said like could be a feature of just the movement within the offense and. Acoro is a player who is very functional in terms of just like getting a full head of seam in the fast break. And if you're able to play at this faster, more frenetic pace and you're playing within the supposed three real second count that the Cavs are trying to utilize, like there's a lot of creative ways you can utilize a And I'm not saying run set plays for him. Let him obviously find his niche within the role of the offense. But if you get eight to 10 points, uh, a couple rebounds, maybe an assist or two or three, uh, but mostly like rock solid defense. Like that's a pretty successful like bench piece that is up for Isaac Okoro. Like it's not something maybe you marry your entire future to, but it at least gives you something a little bit cleaner in terms of his guy's uh, fighting for those like back into rotation minutes.
0: Worst case, I, I think this is also pretty direct. This is a season where Okoro is the exact same, he ends up not mattering in the rotation, maybe get some DNPs in the regular season and doesn't play in the playoffs. It's going to feel like his time in Cleveland, Evan, has run its course. And like I I think that's it. That's kind of what's at stake here, right? Like This is someone whose last year was rookie contract is headed into restricted free agency next summer, in theory. That's not a place that has, in recent years, yielded actual contracts for dudes. It's a very tough place to be. This is... If this happens, he's kind of ends up in NBA purgatory. Like that's the worst case for him with with where he's at and where he could be headed.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think he. Let's just say we get the same old, same old Isaac Okoro that we got last year and the better part of his NBA career up to this point. He's more of a trade asset for you if you're the Cavaliers. Like it's clear the Cavs believe in him as a player and they have uses for him, but like. This is a team that is obviously always going to be defensive first, but like they need their guys to be functional on offense. And if Acoro is only giving you fifty percent of what they need, like you have to find something elsewhere. And maybe there's a team that's willing to give him the minutes that allow him to kind of grow and learn from his mistakes versus versus what he can't really do with the Cavs right now. Um, but more than that, just like there's other guys that are here now. Like we're not going to see. Isaac Okoro getting guaranteed minutes in this rotation going forward just because, like, yeah, J.B. Bickerstaff said had 10, 11 players, but there's going to probably be nights where the Cavs may only play, like, eight or nine guys, and Okoro could very well be a DNP coach's decision just because there's other guys that are at least producing on offense and giving defense or at least the effort on defense that at least satisfies J.B. Bickerstaff's desire for that defensive-versus approach, and Okoro just kind of gets thrown to the wayside. It's like you said. It's an unfortunate reality situation. I think like unrestricted or restricted free agency is going to be incredibly murky for him, and he'll just kind of always be like that dude who is really, really good defensively, but like just doesn't give you much juice offensively at all.
0: He is just. This is make or break for him. Evan. Let me ask you this: If you had to rate your confidence in Okor having something, maybe not exactly what we've outlined as best case, but like skews more towards best case. Versus worst case, how confident are you that that kind of season's in the cards for Okoro?
1: Um, so it's tricky because if you watch the preseason, like during the game against Orlando, there were instances that the magic just sagged off of him entirely and his defender was just more or less in the paint, just clogging things up for the Cavs, which is what really killed them last year whenever Okoro was on the floor. um, So... It really does depend on the three pointer. And on like a scale of one to ten, saying ten's the highest, I'm gonna give it like a tepid six and a half, and it could be cooled down to like a five. If I just don't see like that offensive click at times just because he's not taking advantage of maybe the spacing defenses provide him and also just like what the Cavs are able to give him on offense as well. What about you? I'm
0: I'm gonna go five and a half. I think it's very possible he has a good season, but it's it's I think you just have it's it's now you gotta see it. Time. Like, we can project it. You can be optimistic. I am optimistic about Okoro. I, he, his, my Okoro Island will be next to my DN Waiters Island from now until the end of time. Like, I, I just own those islands and the property value. I'm never selling, I'm not going anywhere to paraphrase uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. You're just in a position where it's, it's got to happen now. And it's got to just be something different than what we've seen. And projecting that to happen, even if Okoro's 22, I know Justin Rowan's going to shoot me a chat message and be like, you know, he's only 22. And like, that's true, but it's also like four NBA seasons. So like, so he's also 22, but, but
1: the Cavs him. don't have time to wait for Isaac Okoro to figure it no. out anymore. They need guys who can provide meaningful minutes in this rotation because the ultimate goal is to win a championship, not to let Isaac Okoro grow at his own rate.
0: Yeah, this isn't three years ago. For him, for Amani Bates, for anyone that is young and promising on this team, it's what can you do for us to help us win regular season games and maximize our chances of getting the high seed possible and, and winning as much as possible. That is where this is all at. Coming up next, best case, worst case, Dean Wade. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time, and Game Time is the best way to buy last-minute tickets for all the sports, concerts, movies, all of that that you want to go see. You shouldn't have to worry about anything, really, when you're buying tickets to your next event, just worry about getting the best price, and Game Tag can help you do that. It's fast and easy, and allows you to buy tickets to all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I've used game time before I planned a New York Liberty game around using game time back in August when I went to Liberty Aces, and I got a great deal on game time that saved me and my friends a bunch of money in those tickets, and uh, I used to buy a New York Liberty dad hat because I'm a parody of myself. That did fit in the budget, though. Uh, They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. So right now, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem our code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, and that is guaranteed. All right, back here on Lockdown Cavs. Let's finish up. Best case, worst case. Dean Wade, Evan, where are you at with your best case for one Dean Wade?
1: So, best case scenario is we see more of the Dean Wade prior to the shoulder injury last season. Um, he did mention post game after the Magic game that this is the healthiest he's felt relative to that point of last year, where like he was felt really great about his body and physically just like working within the system um but he is able to kind of give you a little bit of column a column b where the Cavs need uh the role players to provide off-ball screening and also just provide spacing and shot opportunities when the ball is in their hands and not be afraid to rip it at times and if wade is healthy and is confident like has that mental edge confidence wise on the floor like that is ideally what you get from dean wade because this is an older role player in wade at this point um He provides you certain things that are and are not functional on the floor, but like he gives you enough good things to outweigh maybe some of the bad. Um, But it's really just, it boils down to shooting. Like if he's able to provide you consistent three point shooting or at least just like keep or take the top off the defenses because there could be a lot of spacing lineups the Cavs utilize with weight on the floor. Um, He could be a guy that carves out some pretty consistent minutes at the back end of the rotation for Cleveland. Like that's the ideal scenario uh, for. At least in my eyes, really. What about you?
0: Yeah, he looked good against Maccabi. I thought he's looked healthy, and he's noticeably not wearing that shoulder wrap anymore, which I'm sure was was annoying for him. I, where I start is, I think is just he does he break through in the rotation and really finds a niche, a niche doing all the things he's good at. And I, and maybe in some ways like goes past George Nang. George Nang was brought in to be like a better shooter. I think than what Wade has been so far. He's gonna come in and just let it fly. That I think is what we're gonna see Niang do, but Wade has a more well-rounded skill set, and there's gonna be times where that kind of guy who can defend, I think, definitely better, who can attack off the dribble a little bit better, who's definitely not as bulky, but might still be a better rebounder. There's a path for him to to be a guy that finds his niche a niche in this rotation, and like is a real part of the rotation. Like I don't think him and core are one to one competing, but there if there's only room for like maybe squeezing one in there. Wade has the more well-rounded skill set. And you could, again, I think you could see him pushing up over Nyang. The last part, the, the worst case for this to me is health has to be part of this. He's never been mm-hmm. as healthy as you would have liked. That's why he went undrafted. That that has kind of been a big story of his career. It's something that has absolutely held him back. If he's not as available as you would like, and then he's just kind of a fringe fringe guy, and he's kind of in like the Lamar Stevens rotation position then maybe you're in a spot where all of he is is like a silly trade piece
1: i wouldn't say silly trade piece necessarily just because i think filler trade piece filler trade piece makes more sense because the salary it slots in nicely to maybe make a trade happen and like i said like he is order ish as a process as a role player at this point but like he provides you something meaningful if he is healthy like you said and that that is a great point like Wade's health and consistency in terms of staying healthy has been something that's just been a little bit detrimental in his career and just kind of him building out a consistent niche role. But another point you made as well is like there are, at well, least so we talked about this last segment rather with Okoro, like there are other guys that the Cavs brought in, whether it's George Yang, who we just you just talked about, or like Max Struess is obviously going to be probably the starting small forward for the Cavs. Um, And then there's like Ty Jerome who's played pretty well uh, tonight against Vakabi and has played pretty all right during the preseason for Cleveland as well. Um, Like there are dudes of the Cavs on instead that like have a track record of consistent NBA play and maybe more healthy NBA play compared to Wade that like you said, he could fall into that Lamar Stevens pitfall a little bit where like he's a break glass in case of emergency, like spot starter guy that doesn't get minutes on a night to night basis. but you're hoping for the best of Wade. Um, I'll ask you this heading based on what we've seen through three preseason games and knowing that the Cavs are saying they're going to go 10, 11 deep, but they're traditionally not a team that does that. If the final rotation spot was between Dean Wade or Isaac Okoro, who would you pick at this juncture?
0: I was going to ask you, Hugh, and more more confident oh. being in the rotation. So I'm glad I'm glad we're on. No, this is this is good. This is synergy. This is some lockdown calf synergy right here. I would wait. I my gut, my my heart wants to say Okora because I just like that archetype of player a lot and just Mm. have a hard time quitting it. Wade just gives brings more to the table in a two way sense
1: yeah i i agree i think it's wade right now and i just think it's the three like the shot has looked good um just through three preseason games like he's gotten a lot of clean and open opportunities i asked him post game after the copy game because jb somewhat tongue-in-cheek said like a lot of these guys aren't used that have been here years past aren't used to how much space the Cavs are playing with this year and he's like yeah like defensively it's a lot harder to defend some of these guys because you know you can't like sit on the island and kind of just like camp out a little bit. Like you have to be aware of like what's happening in front of you and behind you because of the movement of this offensive system. But he said for him, like the spacing it he provides, he's like, I haven't been this open in such a long time. And he's like, it's a little crazy to adjust to, but like he seems to be adjusting well. And accord didn't have a great shooting game against Orlando. He shot the three point ball well against Atlanta. I think he made his only attempt tonight against Maccabi too. But like in terms of just like pure volume, Wade's going to be much more than that. And I think that's just kind of what makes me tip my cap to Wade and say like, yeah, it's Dean Wade, like getting like the last man minutes in the rotation.
0: Yeah, I I think just what he brings as a two way guy, you would bank on more. But then Okoro, I think, has proven to be more durable and yeah, rugged. That's, that's the leg up Okoro has
1: is durability and reliability, and also just like it is fair to make the argument like, yes, maybe Evan Mobley is capable of it, but like on paper and based on just what we know about this team, like top through bottom, like Coro is the best point of attack defender on the team. Do you want to take that gamble and maybe like Cleveland's lack of capable perimeter defenders, uh, kind of get shredded some nights depending on who they play.
0: Let's end there. I'm Chris Manning. That is has been Evan Demmel. Thanks again to our sponsors today, better and game time back at you later this week with more. Player previews, big ones coming. Donovan Mitchell on the horizon, and a slew of role guys. We'll talk about that later this week. Thanks everyone for tuning into Locked On Cavs.